Yeah. Good morning, everyone. And if you are a parent, it is a good rule of thumb just not to let your kids play in a car park <laughs> because cars will run them over, and that hurts. Um, well, what a good morning we've had so far, hey? And I just want to extend the welcome again if you're a visitor this morning. I want to say you're really welcome. Friends and family of Herman and Angie, it's just really great to see you guys. And just want to thank you because we're really blessed to have these guys with us, and we really appreciate them. Um, but what we do here at Hope Church is we worship God, like we've already done this morning, and then we look at the Bible and uh, see what God's word. We believe that it's God's word, and it actually can talk to us and tell us about God. It helps us in life, and as we read it, we believe that we can, as I'm going to try and explain what it means, we can apply it to our lives and it can help us. And just wanted to remind you again of that word that Adam brought this morning as well. I believe that that is God speaking to us. God is, was using Adam to speak to some of us here this morning. But some of our eyes might, might have been covered up and we can't see through. And I, I think that was also, as he was saying, that was related to seeing truth. That some of us may have been blinded to seeing the truth. And hopefully I can help with that this morning as well. But you know, God just sees you as you are, loves you as you are, accepts you as you are. He knows every word before it's on your lips, and he loves you. He knows every thought that's in my head, and he loves me the same. And if you know every thought in my head, you'd, you'd kind of worry why he still loves me. But he does. He loves me. And what... Herman and Angie were doing with Leia this morning. They weren't kind of trying to make her a Christian, covering their bases. Elvis Presley used to wear a cross and the Star of David and a few other religious symbols because he said he didn't want to miss out on heaven on a technicality. That's not what we're doing this morning with, these, with Leia. Not trying to cover her bases, but when she, as she grows older, as she makes, as she kind of, her mind grows, she has a choice to make. whether she becomes a follower of Christ. And that's why we want to support these guys. We're going to pray for them as a family. We're going to be with them and stand with them, as I hope people do with my family, because I need that prayer as well. And we're going to look at two characters in the Bible about choices these two characters had to make. The first one we're going to look at is in the Gospel of Luke. The words will appear on the screen, hopefully. It's not on this screen at the moment, which is slightly concerning, but... Um, Hopefully the words will appear on the screen. It's from the Gospel of Luke from chapter 18 and from verse 18. We, we tested it in everything this morning. It's there, hurrah. There, hooray. Well done. Okay. Now, in some Bibles it's called, the, the heading will be about the rich young ruler or the ruler and the kingdom of God. And this is a, a man that's approached Jesus and he says this, a certain ruler asked him, that's Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And all of these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. 
When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we've all left all that we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So the Bible tells us a couple of things about this guy. He is rich and he has power. And there's kind of two things you might aspire to in this world. If someone asked you if you wanted to be rich or poor, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Powerful or powerless. And by some standards here, he's a, a successful person. He's attained wealth and influence. And we see him asking Jesus a question that reveals a lot about this man's character. In itself, it's not a bad question. But what he's saying is, what must I do to be saved? He's asking, what can I do to save myself? What religious duty, what sacred pilgrimage, what large check do I write to earn my salvation? Because what he wants to do is add to his CV that he's earned his own salvation. To his, wants to add it to his other achievements. And he's actually coming with arrogance, with hands full of his own achievements, Asking Jesus what he can do to show how amazing he is. So Jesus starts by answering him, or ask, answering, asking him about the commandments. And he runs through some of the 613 commandments that are summed up in the book of Exodus. You might know as they're condensed down into the 10 commandments, you might have heard of them. He says, Don't kill, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Honour your parents. He says, yeah, 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 I've done those. I've done all of those since I was a boy. He's saying, basically, I'm a good person. I'm all right. I've not really done anything bad. I'm not, I'm not perfect, but, you know, I'm not far from it. <laughs> this is what he, I'm not talking about myself. He calls Jesus here good teacher. He calls Jesus here good teacher. And some of us here might put him, Jesus, in that category this morning. He's a good teacher. He's a good man. He's a wise man. Good guy, along with people like Gandhi and Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, Winston Churchill. He's a good leader, a good example of how we should live. But he's not a saviour. He looks at Jesus, this man, and tries to reduce him to something that he's not. And we must be careful not to reduce Jesus to something that he is not. We mustn't put him in the same category as the tooth fairy or, the, or Mother Nature or the, fe, the 
Father Christmas. That's what I used to think. I was telling my, my testimony yesterday about how I came to know God. That's what I used to think. I didn't even think he was real. I thought it was just a fairy story. The author and writer C.S. Lewis said that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. He cannot just be another moral teacher because of the things that the Bible says about him and what he said about himself. And what we have to do is make a decision whether we believe what the Bible says about him and what he said about himself. And Jesus rebukes him and says, why do you call me good? What he's saying to the rich guys, no one is good except God. He's rejecting what the man is trying to do. Jesus is saying, you either believe in me, in who I am, or you don't. You can't just believe Jesus is a good teacher, a moral example. I'm either God or I'm not. See, if this guy had gone to any other religious leader, they would have said, you need to do these things, live like this, take this pilgrimage, and you can save yourself. But Jesus doesn't say this to him. Jesus says, what about the commandments? He says, yeah, I've kept them. But what's interesting is Jesus doesn't mention the first two commandments. There's only one God, and you must love him with all your heart. And this is where it starts to unravel with this guy. Martin Luther, the man who led the Reformation, said that if we obey the first two commandments, then we won't disobey the rest. See, outwardly, this guy is doing okay. He's successful. He's led a supposed good life. Surely this guy deserves to be welcomed in by God. Surely. He's never killed anyone. He's never done any harm. But Jesus isn't trying to change his behavior. He's trying to change his God. He's trying to change his heart. He's trying to change his belief system. The man is worshipping the wrong God. Outwardly, he doesn't have a problem. Inwardly, he has a humongous problem, this man. Humongous. Eternally, he has a massive problem. He's worshipping another God. The Bible tells us that the worship of any other God than the God of the Bible is called idolatry. See, believe it or not, we all worship something. We all have a faith position. I believe that. If, you, if you're here this morning you say you don't believe that there is a God, then that's just a, as much a statement of faith than saying there is a God. In fact, I'd argue it's a bigger statement of faith than my statement of faith of saying that there is. We can even defend our, our position with statements like, science disproves God. But God is supernatural. Science cannot measure the supernatural. Trying to disprove God through science is like trying to measure wind with a thermometer. And furthermore, science cannot measure much of the natural world. And to, to say that if we cannot measure it scientifically, it isn't true, doesn't quite stand up in my head. I don't know about yours. For example, science cannot measure love. When I say my wife loves me, it cannot be scientifically proven 
Rather, we, we believe that what, it makes sense of her behaviour, I hope, <laughs> on a good day. So we could ask, belief in God or non-belief in God, what makes the most sense of the world around us? For me, a world without God takes more scientific explanation than a world with God. See, the intricate nature of creation, our awareness of good and, good and evil, our consciousness, the occurrence of miracles, the fact that there's always been some sort of God awareness throughout the ages in every single culture, all takes more explaining if there is no God. And for me, it creates more problems than it solves. And trying to make sense of this world without God... Man, that's tough. Anyway, back to the rich guy. He was worshipping money. Or mammon, the Bible might refer to it. His, his comfort, his lifestyle. And we can say, well, that's not me. I don't worship money, but our idol can be anything. Relationships, children, career, house, reputation. If we put all of our hopes on anything other than God, then we are bound for disappointment. God gives us good things. But when we turn them into God things, that's when it goes wrong. When we think, if I cannot live without that thing, this person, that's when it goes wrong. We're worshipping something else other than God. See, this guy... He was his own God, and for most of us, that can be the case. Look at me, look what I've achieved, look what I've got. He's worshipping his success, but Jesus says it's not about success. It's about the God that made you and loves you. And Jesus challenges him here to give up everything and follow him. But he can't. He couldn't give up everything. And Jesus had found his idol. What would you not be willing to give up? You can say, well, I don't, I don't have idols. What, what at the thought of losing it scares you to the, your very soul? What can you not live without when it comes to the crunch What or where is your treasure? This guy made a choice and he went away sad because his treasure wasn't Jesus. I'm going to look at our second character, a guy named Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Short people, we love you this morning. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. 
All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Okay, a few things about our second character, Zacchaeus. I mean, if you were Zacchaeus, and you know, you're know you looking back down from heaven, you think, why did they have to put the short bit in? <laughs> short being short's okay, by the way. <clears throat> but he was not a popular guy. He was a tax collector. Not only that, he was the chief tax collector. He was seen by the Jewish people as a traitor. He was collecting money from the Roman government and he was skimming off the top. He was charging the locals their taxes and, you know, just adding a little bit on top. This guy was despised. He was short, he was wealthy, and he was good at climbing trees. He's climbed a tree to see Jesus. Jesus calls out to him by name, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm coming to your house for tea with my disciples. Don't you hate it when people just invite themselves around on their 12 friends? <laughs> but Zacchaeus, he eats well. He eats well, but he normally eats alone. But if you're going to Zacchaeus' house for dinner, it's not something you normally put on your Facebook page because you're going to come in for some stick. But Jesus calls him by name, invites himself to his house. And that's what Jesus does to us. He calls us by name. That's what he did to me. He called me by name. So he's going to do to lay. He's going to call her by name. Jesus calls us by name. And if you don't know Jesus, then maybe today he is calling you by your name, saying, come to me. He's calling us into a relationship. And here he calls Zacchaeus into a relationship. He's going to his house for dinner and he does it openly and publicly. When I first came into that relationship with Jesus, I didn't want anyone to know about it. It wasn't until just before I was married, I knew God wanted me to take him seriously. And I had to lay down a lot of things. See, what happens here is when Jesus calls him, he makes a choice. And that's what Leah's going to have to do is make that choice. I believe that she will. I believe she's going to be a mighty woman in the kingdom of God. See, when I first became a Christian, it was just a little add-on. Little Jesus out my pocket every time a problem came along. But that's not what it's about. When I really met with him, the living God, I encountered him, I surrendered everything. You see, you can believe in Jesus, 
but not really change. Belief in Jesus doesn't make you a Christian. Nicky Gumbel says on the Alpha Course, it's like being born in McDonald's. It doesn't make you a hamburger. It says in the Bible, even the demons believe in Jesus. This isn't a little vitamin supplement when things aren't going well. We just get our little Jesus out, say a little prayer, and things get better. No, Jesus wants to come into your life and speak to you and change you from the inside out. He loves you and accepts you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. We're called to follow him, give our lives to him into the hands of the God who has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life, and it might sound strange, but it's true. God has a plan for your life. Every single one of you here today, God has a plan for your life. See, being a Christian, it's not about following rules and regulations. This church is full of people that have messed up in their lives. They still make mistakes, but the difference is they're in a relationship with a living God. And they, like Zacchaeus, have been changed. They, like Zacchaeus, their direction has changed. Their focus and priorities have changed. Through faith in Jesus, we're not called just to be holier than thou, but to be a part of God's eternal plan. The message of the gospel is that we can be part of God's world renewal of the earth, of cosmic restoration. The earth in the first place was made perfect and holy by God. No evil, no suffering, no sickness or death. There was no sin no Android phones, no Chelsea, no grunge music. The world was perfect. Just Apple products, no Android. But man chose to go his own way. And sin entered the world, and as a result, the world we have today is in a mess. But Jesus came to the earth, God in man, and, became, and the process of renewal started. And he will return again, the Bible set, tells us, to make all things new. And we as Christians get to be part of this world renewal plan. Fighting for injustice, against poverty, caring for the environment, bringing something of heaven down to earth right now. Like Zacchaeus, who gives his money to the poor and goes on to be changed forever. Says, actually, if you can read your history books, later in history, was known as the Bishop of Caesarea. He was completely changed. We can be included in this. The Bible uses this phrase called being born again. God is offering a new birth to people right now. So I was talking to a guy this week. And he was saying, I've just been searching for so long. I'm just worried if you know, this, I make this step now, then that will be the end. You know, I've been searching for so long. I've kind of loved the chase. If this is really true, then I, I, I don't really, I'm not sure. I said, no, it's not the end. It's the beginning. Because you'll be born again. A new life. New creation. 
You'll be assured of a place in the perfect future age. Because that is coming. If you give your life to Christ, you can be confident of your future. This life is not the end. There is life beyond the grave. Jesus was crucified for us. For our sin. He was raised from the dead so that those of us in Christ will be raised with him again. Sin gets in the way though. Sin gets in the way between us and God. Stuff that we've done wrong. People who have just turned their backs on God, not living for him. But God, who is perfect and holy, he cannot let anything other than that that is perfect and holy into his presence. It says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when we earn money at work, we get paid our wages. It's a consequence of what we've done. And our death is our wage from sin. Death is separate from God for all eternity in a conscious place the Bible calls hell. But, and it's a big, big but, we have a free gift from God of eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's what Martin Luther calls the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5 says... God who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when you are in Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, God looks at you, he doesn't see you for all that you've done wrong. For you turning your back on him, he sees the son of God. He sees Jesus. He became what we are, sinners, so that we might become what he is, righteous. He got what we deserve, death on a cross, so that we might receive what only he can give, life. We might receive it, life. But you put your trust in Jesus and his work on the cross, your sins are forgiven. Say, well, are you like the first guy? Well, I've never really done much wrong. I'm okay. Where's your God? What are you worshipping? Where's your treasure? Your sins are forgiven and you're declared righteous by God. The perfect life of Jesus is attributed to you as if you lived it, if you give your life to Jesus. Well, I've never sinned. I've never. Breathe in, breathe out, you've done it. The perfect life of Jesus is attributed to you. The gospel is not a record of good people earning God's blessing, but bad people receiving God's blessing because Jesus has earned it for them. See, the first guy, he couldn't earn it for himself. That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to earn his own salvation, but he can't because Jesus has done everything. And this morning, it doesn't matter about where you are, what you've done, what you've thought in the past, He knows everything about you and he accepts you as you are and you can come to him today. You can receive that blessing today, that choice today like Zacchaeus. Have that relationship with him because you can know him daily because he didn't just die on the cross but he rose again victorious, conquering sin and death because this life is not the end. He can come in and live that relationship with you. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He hears our prayers on a daily basis. You're called into that relationship with him. 
just ask you, are you ready to receive that today? Do you want to be like the rich guy? Or do you want to be like Zacchaeus? Because he's calling you by name today. Just bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us, that you chose us, that you call us by name. I want to thank you for everyone here this morning. Lord, I just pray now, you come and speak to us. Those of us that might have eyes that have been covered, that not been able to see the truth. Will you just reveal yourself to us right now? Come, Lord. Just have to say three simple things if you want to come to Jesus today. Sorry, thank you, please. I'm sorry, Lord, for living my own way. Sorry for turning my back on you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Please now come and take first place in my life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. You can make that choice today. Just have to say those three words. Sorry. Thank you. Please. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if you've done that for the first time or the second time or the tenth time, God just loves to be in a relationship with you. And if you've done that for the first time, then I'd love to come and speak to you after the service. God is calling you by name. We're going to be drawing our service to a close, but um, there are many, many, many cakes to be had <laughs> afterwards. Um, Angie has been baking for three weeks now on the run-up to this. Um, so please stick around, have tea and coffee. will be served over at the back. There's many cakes. Um, parents as well, please don't forget to go and get your children. Um, and also, I promised my son I would plug. He's trying to sell cakes as well. So there's cakes galore to trying to raise money for children in Mozambique for his school charity. So there's cakes everywhere. There's cakes at every turn. But if you've prayed that prayer today, I'd love to speak to you. And if there's anything else you would like prayer for, prayer for healing or anything, we, we would love to pray for you. But enjoy the rest of the day. And um, let's, let's be friendly to Herman and Angie's uh, friends and family. But have a great day. <laughs>